Welcome to Postpartum Stories with Steph, candid conversations with mums and sometimes dads about the precious yet chaotic time that is life after birth. My name is Steph, woman, warrior, wife, mother, coffee lover and feminist. I'm a postpartum doula in Melbourne and you can find me on Instagram at postpartum underscore with underscore Steph with a PH. Through this podcast, I will chat to women and birthing people in a real and raw way about their postpartum experience. So sit back, grab a cuppa, even if it's cold, take off your bra and enjoy. Welcome to today's episode. Uh, This is a You Got This series episode, which means I'm going to be chatting to uh, an expert in the postpartum world. Uh, Today I'm chatting to Kelly Pendlebury, who is a pelvic floor health physio. She's also my cousin, so it's nice to know someone that works in that area who I can ask all of my questions to. Before we get into the episode, I just want to run through some statistics, which I found quite shocking. Um, So one in three women will experience incontinence after giving birth. One in two women live with prolapse. 90% of women will experience sexual dysfunction in the first 12 months after giving birth. That's the stat that really blew my mind. 90%. That means that your best friend, the women in your mother's group, the woman you're sitting next to on the train has very likely had a similar issue to yourself and we're really not talking about this stuff. So I really hope that today's episode um, sheds a bit of light on the issues that women face uh, after birth in relation to their pelvic floor and their core. Uh, Some of my questions are quite basic because for me, Thankfully, I really didn't have any sort of pelvic floor issues. I had some issues with lower back pain, which I think was because of core strength. But in terms of prolapse and incontinence, that's not something that I um, had to work through. So my questions are really basic around what is a pelvic floor? What is a prolapse? What can you do for incontinence? And I hope that it provides you um, with some answers And as always, if you're having really serious issues, contact your local women's health physio or pelvic floor health physio, as they're often called, because they really, they they work with women with these issues every day and they are so knowledgeable. So yeah, it's it's a really great person to go to other than a GP who might not be specialized in that area. So um, Kelly works out of Toowoomba. And she has a business called Flourish Physiotherapy. And you can find her on Instagram and Facebook. I will leave all of her details in the show notes. Um, And as always, if you've enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a five-star review and a rating because it really helps other people to be able to find um, the podcast and helps get our episodes. I don't know why I'm saying our, it's me, my episodes out to new listeners. So yeah, I hope wherever you are, you're enjoying your day and thank you as always for listening. 
what is a women's health physio? Because yeah, when okay. I think physio, I think sore shoulders, sore neck, yep. sports yep. injuries. Yep. So a women's health physio is a physio who has done all the training to be a normal physio that can treat all of those sorts of things, um, but has done extra training in the pelvic floor in particular. Um, Mm -hmm. So in the muscles of the pelvic floor, the function of the pelvic floor, bladder, bowel, sexual health, all those sorts of things. Um, They have special training in pregnancy and postnatal care. Um, So that's that's sort of the gist of what a women's health physio is. Um, But we're sort of leaning more towards calling ourselves pelvic health physios Mm -hmm. these days. And that's because um, we don't just look after women's continence and women's pelvic floors. Mm -hmm. So men have a pelvic floor too, and children obviously have a pelvic floor. Children have continence issues. Men have continence issues. So many of us have training in more than just women's health Mm -hmm. which is why we're sort of leaning towards calling ourselves pelvic health physios these days good to know yeah good to know (laughs) so how long have you been um how long have you been doing this work for um so i've been a physio for about 12 years and then it's almost 10 years that i've been doing pelvic health physio for Mm -hmm. and how did you sort of get into that um that side of things it was always something that I knew interested me when I started studying physio. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a family member who had quite severe incontinence when I was a child and um, without giving away too much information about that person without their permission, um, I would see them walking along and suddenly sneeze and have to cross their legs and mm prevent incontinence that way and as kids look I thought it was quite funny um (laughs) you know as a child you think it's so funny that that happens to somebody that an adult can't control their bladder but you know when you start to realize the impact that it has on people's quality of life and the Mm. fact that we can actually do something about it um being able to have that sort of impact on somebody's quality of life is really quite rewarding Mm. So what sort of pelvic floor issues do women come and see you about? Yep. Um, Most of the time um, women come with incontinence. Mm -hmm. Prolapse is another one that women come to see me about. Um, Often, like these days, I think women are becoming more proactive when they're pregnant and they know a little bit more about women's health physio and they, they want to prevent issues or know what they can do to minimise their risk of having mm. issues. So sometimes they come with no concerns at all. They just want to know, is my pelvic floor strong? Do I need to do something differently? How can I prepare for birth? Um, those sorts of things. And then we see women who are preparing for gynae surgery. So they might be going to have a hysterectomy or they might be having a prolapse repair or something like that. They want to come in and make sure their pelvic floor is nice and strong beforehand. Um, And they want to know what they can do afterwards for their best recovery. Mm. So with women who come to see you um, with incontinence, I read, I don't know if this statistic is you know, 100% accurate, but one in three women experience incontinence after birth. Yep. So is that sort of the main cause of incontinence in 
um, the women that you see? Yeah, yeah, that's a, a true statistic. One in three women who have had a baby will leak urine. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, so a lot of the women that come to see me have incontinence from having a baby and it is one of the major risk factors mm. for incontinence. So what causes it? A few things cause it. Um, so it can be caused by having a weak pelvic floor. So if you, when you think about birth and a baby being born, your pelvic floor muscles have to stretch and sometimes they have to stretch 250 times their normal length. So, mm. um, sorry, two and a half times, 250%, two and a half times their normal length. And that can cause damage to the muscles that can cause the muscles to tear so those sorts of things impact the strength of the muscles and when the muscles can't contract against um, a cough or a sneeze to protect the pelvic floor then you might leak with that kind of action Mm -hmm. Um, other things that can cause incontinence after having a baby is damage to the urinary sphincter so sometimes there's damage to the actual control mechanism around the urinary sphincter and that can cause incontinence too. So they're probably the main causes of incontinence. Mm-hmm. Um, just being pregnant though and um, that weight of the baby on your pelvic floor can stretch the muscles and so in pregnancy um, at least 50% of women in their first pregnancy will leak urine. Mm-hmm. And during pregnancy? To, during pregnancy, okay. yeah. And then up to 85% in their second and third and subsequent pregnancies will leak urine as well so um it it can just be that that weight of the baby on the pelvic floor that can Mm. cause leakage yeah well anyone who's been pregnant knows you know (laughs) how that feels to have a baby's head you know pressing up against your bladder and (laughs) yeah that pressure and that Mm. loss of space too for your bladder to increase in size Mm. you've got less control too and there's hormone the hormones of pregnancy and all that stuff so is there anything that women can do in pregnancy to um, avoid incontinence after they give birth or during their pregnancy? Yes. So the best thing to do is pelvic floor exercises. Mm-hmm. So get that pelvic floor nice and strong and have really good bladder and bowel habits. So make sure you're drinking enough water. Um, don't hold off going to the toilet for too long and don't go to the toilet just in case. So lots of women get into that habit of, oh, I'm going to go out, so I'm going to go to the toilet, but that can actually train your bladder to need to go more often. Mm. And the other thing is sitting on the toilet too. So if you're at the public toilet, it is better to actually sit rather than hover. You'll be able to empty your bladder more properly by doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you say pelvic floor exercises, because I know that we hear a lot about the kegel muscle and kegels Mm. and to clench and do that 50 times a day. And, you know, for me, like I just, I forgot. Yeah, yeah. And (laughs) and every time you're at the traffic lights, clench your kegel muscle. Um, So what do we need to be doing? Yeah. So we don't need to be every time we're at the traffic lights, stopping and contracting our pelvic floor muscles. What we need to do is train our pelvic floor muscles the same as we would train any other muscle. So you you want to do enough reps with enough load to make the muscle stronger. And, you know, it's that recipe of 8 to 12, 12 reps, um, 2 to 3 sets, 2 fatigue will get the muscle stronger. Mm-hmm. So it's about finding how can you do that, what position can you do that in, what load can you add. And in the early days after having a baby when your pelvic floor muscles are so stretched, 
often all you can manage is a quick on, off, on, off. And the more you do that, the better. But as you get stronger, you need to do it less often. But we need to change the load and, and get it right for your individual pelvic floor. Yeah. yeah. So if you um, are having like problems, you need to go and see someone. Yeah. So there's, sort of, yeah. there's no sort of one size fits yeah. all. There isn't a one size fits all. Everybody comes into clinic with a different starting point so some people when we look at pelvic floor muscles we grade them from zero to five and sometimes women will come in after having a baby and they've got no contraction at all so it's we wouldn't want them to be sitting at the traffic light squeezing 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 because they're probably not squeezing their pelvic floor muscles they're probably doing something else mm-hmm. um, and then somebody might come in and they've had a baby six weeks ago but they're already at a grade three and they're doing really well so it's a different starting point and it's also a different what's your end point so mm. do you want to go back to crossfit or do you just want to be walking and doing a little bit of yoga and that changes what we need to do as well i've seen ads on television about um yeah about that statistic one in three women yep. will leak urine and here's some panty liners yep. for you mm. off you go yep. Yep. um i really feel like there is that sense around this issue that we don't actually have enough information to solve the problem or to you know at least help women manage what they're experiencing what do you think about that I think we we do. We have what's called grade A evidence that pelvic floor exercises will improve or cure um, urinary incontinence in women. So we know from research that it actually works. Um, what when you look at those products that they're selling in the supermarket, that's about making money. Mm. So those companies they want you to think there's nothing that you can do about it, so you will buy their product. Mm. Um, so yes, it's so definitely. sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is sad, um, and more women need to know that they don't have to put up with wearing panty liners and the expense of liners mm. across a lifetime when they could invest in a little bit of physio and get better. Mm. So, what is a prolapse? Yep. So a prolapse. Um, I think the best way you can describe it is like a hernia. Um, so if you imagine a hernia in your belly button of the internal organs kind of popping out, it's the same thing, except it's inside your vagina. Mm-hmm. So, um, it can be your bladder, it can be your uterus, it can be your rectum, and it can even be your small bowel, um, mm. prolapsing down into your, into your vagina. So and it's it- a loss. Loss of the structural integ- integrity in your vagina, either the muscle or the connective tissue, that doesn't give you that support anymore. So you get that movement in the walls mm-hmm. of the vagina. And what causes a prolapse? The most common cause is childbirth. Mm-hmm. So um, the stretch of the muscles, the connective tissue of the vagina as the baby's born. Um, it can be as a result of significant tearing to the, the deeper levator muscles. So they're not there. So that's the deeper layer of muscles supporting the pelvic organs where they should be in place. Um, and if, if there's a loss of integrity of those muscles or an avulsion of the levators, then you're more likely to experience prolapse. But people can come into clinic who haven't had babies and have some degree of prolapse too so if they've been chronically constipated if they have really bad asthma those Mm. sorts of conditions where they're putting a lot of load on their pelvic floor they can end up with prolapse too okay and so what 
how do you fix a prolapse? So the, the prolapse can't be fixed back to normal, mm-hmm. um, but it can certainly be improved to a certain extent. So we can do pelvic floor exercises to strengthen the pelvic floor muscles from below and that can improve prolapse. There's some research that says that pelvic floor exercises can improve the connective tissue in the vagina. So the strength of the connective tissue in the vagina and that can improve prolapse symptoms. If there's a significant muscle issue, so a levator avulsion, often there's not a lot pelvic floor exercises can do. They can help a little bit, but they won't make a huge difference. So pelvic floor exercises help. The next thing is a pessary. So a pessary is a little device that you insert into your vagina and it kind of pulls everything up and supports everything a little bit higher. Mm -hmm. Um, So that can alleviate symptoms. There have been a few studies that show that women who have worn a pessary and done pelvic floor exercises and seen a physio for a period of time, Um, they have a significant improvement in their prolapse and it's no longer bothersome. So um, that can certainly help with prolapse. And then the next stage is things like surgical intervention. Mm -hmm. So there's obviously degrees, like varying degrees Mm. of prolapse as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. How do you know if you've got a prolapse? Prolapse, yeah. So the, the common symptoms of prolapse are things like heavy bulging type sensation in your vagina you may see a lump you might shower and see a lump in your vagina and at the entrance of your vagina and go gosh what's that mm-hmm. um sometimes it's you don't feel like you empty your bladder or your bowel properly or you need to use your hand to support your perineum to empty your bowel um, pain with intercourse can be a sign of a prolapse mm-hmm. um Heaviness in your lower tummy sometimes can be a sign of a prolapse. So they're probably the main, the main symptoms of prolapse. Mm-hmm. And so what about, so obviously a vaginal birth can be a risk factor for some of these yep. things. Yep. What about cesarean? Yep. So um, I have seen women who have had cesareans and still have some prolapse and usually that is because when they have they've attempted a vaginal delivery and they've labored and they've tried to get do a vaginal birth but they've ended up with some vaginal high vaginal trauma that but they've then ended up with a caesar so women who have caesars can still have prolapse women mm-hmm. who have caesars can still have issues with incontinence mm-hmm. The big issue, though, with the Caesar is that you are having quite significant abdominal surgery, mm. and you have with a with a Caesar, there's um, damage to all of those lower abdominal muscles, so they all get cut. Um, and the lower abdominal muscles work with your pelvic floor to provide you with support. So if one one member of the team isn't working, then sometimes that can cause dysfunction in the Mm -hmm. other member if that makes sense so your lower tummy muscles aren't working that can cause dysfunction in your pelvic floor as well so Mm -hmm. there's those issues um and when a cesarean wound heals over time sometimes the scar tissue can form it like you get adhesions and the muscles don't slide like they normally should over each other Mm -hmm. um, and that can cause dysfunction that can lead to things like back pain so all of those sorts of things, if you have a Caesar, it doesn't mean 
you're protected. It's not a get out of jail free card. No, it's not a, <laughs> a get out of jail free card at all. Um, and, you know, like I've seen some women who have had a Caesar and they've had a bladder injury. So mm-hmm. the, the doctor has nicked the bladder when yeah. they've um, performed the Caesar. And there's nerve damage can happen with a Caesar as well. So mm. nerves can get damaged. Um, so it doesn't mean you don't need to see someone after you have a baby. I still mm. recommend after a Caesar that you do see someone to get yeah. checked and make sure there isn't anything going on. Yeah. And I think there's not really a heap of information. Like I, I ended up having a C-section and no one said to me, you know, here's a, here's why you should go and see a women's no. health physio. No. And I didn't, thankfully didn't have any issues, although I did have back pain further down yeah. the track, which I think was to do with core strength. Yeah. Um, can we talk a little bit about core strength? Is that mm. part of what yep. you do as well? Yep, definitely. Yep. So what what is your core? <laughs> so your core is made up of your deep tummy muscles, so your transverse abdominis, your pelvic floor, your diaphragm, and some muscles in, in your back called multifidus. And they all work together to support your pelvis and your low back and to ensure that you can transfer load well between different parts of your body Um, so your core muscles are really important and they communicate and they work together so when they do studies of um, pregnant women in their last few weeks of pregnancy they do find that 100% of women can have a separation of the tummy muscles so most pregnant women will have dysfunction in their core after having a baby that can resolve spontaneously but sometimes we need to support that that regaining of core strength over time. Mm. So is that through different exercises Mm. and things like that? Yeah. So it's teaching your core how to coordinate those muscles together again. So coordinating your pelvic floor with your transversus, learning how to breathe and use your diaphragm with those muscles while you're using them to transfer load. And then adding in load in different positions. So we might look at getting you laying down, um, contracting your pelvic floor, your deep core and seeing can you lift a leg and are you able to keep everything stable while you do that, Um, those sorts of things and retraining you to be able to do those activities without dysfunction. Do you think there's enough support for women who are having pelvic floor issues? Um. Support is available to many women in Australia. Um, However, it's often quite expensive to see a women's health physio. So I think it's available to um, women who can afford it, women who live in um, metropolitan and large regional centres. For women who live further out, it becomes more difficult. For women Mm. who don't have the finances it becomes more difficult um which is such a, a shame because yeah, yeah. these issues you know they affect you mm-hmm. ongoing and really personally as well yes. like i hear stories all the time about women you know who are out at the shops and are terrified of sneezing or mm. you know that sort of stuff yeah. that's yeah horrible. women who who go to the toilet anytime they go out because they're worried about leaking um there's a a big push at the moment there's a change 
position, uh, petition at the moment arguing that all women should have access to Medicare-funded mm. pregnancy and postnatal physiotherapy care. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's interest in that and, and hopefully we will move towards more towards a model like they have in France where, where pregnant and postnatal women get access to, I think, about 10 sessions of physiotherapy mm. um, funded by the government. So hopefully we'll get to a model that's a little bit more like that. And if we're getting women in pregnancy and postnatally with their first babies, then we're going to prevent a whole lot of problems down the track with older women. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. What about um, exercising after birth? Is there, what are the do's and don'ts in terms of protecting, Mm. you know, your, your pelvic floor and your core? So generally after you have a baby, our, our, across the board advice is start doing pelvic floor exercises as soon as your catheter comes out, if you have one. Mm -hmm. So you should never do pelvic floor exercises with the catheter in, but as soon as that catheter comes out, you should start trying to do pelvic floor exercises. Not only do they strengthen your pelvic floor, but they also help with circulation and healing. So if you've had some tearing, if those sorts of things have happened, then you can actually, it can stimulate healing Um, in your pelvic floor so start early and start with pulses so on off on off and for every week old that your baby is try to increase that by a second so if your baby's two weeks old hold for two seconds if your baby's three weeks old three seconds and so on up to six weeks in general in the first six weeks doing much more than going for a walk's probably not a great idea however if you if i mean the reality is of being a mum is that you need to go out and you need to get your pram into the back of the car and prams these days are not light they're Mm. quite heavy so we want you to be practicing when you're doing those sorts of heavy lifting contracting your pelvic floor nice and hard when you're lifting prams into the back of the car and moving well so um but in general the first six weeks should be not much more than walking so going for a short walk and gradually increasing it. So even if you were really fit before you had the baby, your first baby and you used to go to the gym and you did all of that sort of stuff, you can be quite surprised at how unfit you are after having a baby. Mm. And the first walk you go on, you might make it three houses down the street and then feel like, oh, I don't even know if I can make it home. Mm. So take it slowly, start small and gradually build back up. Mm. and if i like you know i've seen people on instagram like a lot of fitness fitspo people who are running 10ks you know a week after having a baby what can that what sort of damage can that actually cause well it sort of depends on what state your pelvic falls in Mm. after you have a baby um you know if your pelvic floor is stretched and and it's, you know, we, we talked about that two and a half times, the length stretch. It doesn't just bounce back after, you know, within a week, your muscles don't don't mm. magically go back to their normal length. So they're not providing the normal support that they would to your pelvic organs um, in that type of high impact exercise. So if you're going running and the muscles are still quite gapy, um, for want of a better term, then you can increase your risk of things like prolapse and incontinence. And that's why it's really important that you see someone who can assess your pelvic floor and say, 
oh, you're not really strong. We need to build on your strength. Let's not run yet, but let's work back up to that. And these are the steps that you need to take. And this is roughly how long it will take. Mm. Yeah, I think a lot of women think that they'll be able to do what they were doing Mm. before pregnancy or even during pregnancy. And our bodies sort of have this way of um, telling us to slow down Mm. (laughs) and we need to listen to it. Yeah, um, and I think what we we see, you know, very famous people who have a lot of support going back to exercise much more quickly than your average person, but what we don't see all the support that they have and we don't see any of that, so we expect that of ourselves, but we're not putting into it what they're also putting into it. Mm. Um, I had some questions sent through by some people on my Instagram. Yep. So I might run through those. Um, so how to manage, how do you manage an overactive pelvic floor before and after birth? Mm-hmm. First thing I need to ask is what is an overactive pelvic mm-hmm. floor? <laughs> so when we talk about pelvic floor exercises, people get really caught up in um, your pelvic floor contracting and getting stronger and we forget that muscle has two functions so muscle should contract but it also should relax Mm -hmm. and an overactive pelvic floor is essentially a pelvic floor that doesn't relax very well so you're quite you're possibly quite good at contracting but you're not very good at the letting go Mm -hmm. and more and more and more I see it in clinic these days women have that more overactive, hard to relax type pelvic floor. And I, you know, I think, but I, I can't prove it with research to back it, but women are increasingly stressed and anxious and on the go all the time. And that anxiety translates to pelvic floor tension. Mm, yeah. Cause um, when you muscle, when you're feeling anxious mm, or stressed, your whole body's tense. Body is tense so. And that includes your pelvic floor. So mm. um, I definitely see it more now than I did three or four years ago. Um, and I think that's something that that's involved because it is often more, the more anxious people that I see it in. Mm. Um, but I also see it in people who have a history of dancing, people who have a history of gymnastics, people who have been horse riders. Mm-hmm. And it's that, that activity where you really need to contract and hold your core mm. that people often get that overactive pelvic floor as well. So what does that actually mean though, in terms of, but how would you know if you have an overactive pelvic floor? So some of the common signs of an overactive pelvic floor are things like pain with intercourse. So mm-hmm. you might find penetration difficult because you can't relax your pelvic floor. Um, it's things like not feeling like you can empty your bladder. You might go to the toilet to do a wee and it just takes a while to get started. Um, Mm -hmm. You really have to think about doing a wee or even a poo. So um, it can be hard to empty. So any of those things where you think your pelvic floor needs to relax, um, those can be signs of Mm -hmm. an overactive pelvic floor. And so what can you do about it? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, down training your pelvic floor so learning to relax so usually what I get people to do is a gentle contraction but then really focus on that relaxation so 
often people are so focused on the contraction, but I want them to learn how to do the relaxation phase. So we do a gentle contraction and then relax and then take a nice big deep breath into your tummy and then relax a little bit more mm-hmm. and keep repeating that and doing that over and over and over again until the relaxation phase gets much faster. Mm-hmm. Um, we look at doing pelvic floor stretches. So different stretches, a lot of them are typical yoga type positions to start to try to stretch and lengthen those pelvic floor muscles. Mm-hmm. Um, another question was, are pelvic floor trainers uh, or tools like the Parafit Perif- worthwhile? Mm-hmm. I've seen that ad pop yep. up on my Instagram mm. constantly. Yeah, that comes up online too. <laughs> um, so the answer is maybe. Um, there's not a whole lot of really good, strong research evidence that biofeedback devices make a whole lot of difference. Mm-hmm. But for some people, they will. And it's usually for people who are motivated by devices. So if you have a Fitbit and it really motivates you to exercise, then having one of those devices will probably help. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pelvic floor exercises in general are fairly boring. Mm-hmm. So something like that can make it more interesting. Sometimes having spent the money means that you will be more motivated to do the exercises. The issue with them, a lot of them is that they don't tell you whether you're doing your exercises properly. All right. So you might, the screen might be saying you're doing a really strong contraction, but you're not doing a contraction at all and you're pushing or you're contracting the wrong muscles. So if you are going to use something like that, I would strongly recommend that you see a physio first Mm. to make sure you're doing it properly. Um, And the stats are that um, about 30% at least of women are doing their pelvic floor exercises incorrectly. So Mm. it it is really important that you get checked first. So the answer to that question is maybe um, depends on who you are. Mm. And for people who yeah. don't know what we're talking about, it's like a, it kind of looks like a vibrator that you, <laughs> you insert <laughs> and then it links to a game, an app mm. on your phone, of course, because it's 2020. Yeah. And yes. so we've turned pelvic health into a game to make yes. you do it because yeah. otherwise, like you said, it's boring. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. That's really interesting. Um, someone asked, will it ever be the same as pre-birth? Um, the answer to that is no. Mm-hmm. Um, there will be changes to your vagina that won't, that it will never be the same as it was uh, before having delivered a baby. And, you know, that's the connective tissue in the vagina. So connective tissue is sort of a little bit like a trampoline Um, and when that trampoline is stretched it's just not the same as it Mm. was Um, but pelvic floor exercises can make it feel a little bit more normal Um, and often if often the concern for women is that their partner will notice that things aren't quite the same and in general partners don't notice that things are no longer the same Mm -hmm. um Okay, here's another one and it's got a few parts to it. So pelvic floor after birth, I've been told conflicting things to strengthen it and to keep it or to keep and to keep it relaxed. Yeah. Um, especially in regards to a prolonged second stage and needing forced delivery. Um, I want to avoid doing extra damage. So I guess the the question is, am I meant to be tightening or mm. relaxing? Mm. 
Well, you're supposed to probably be doing both. Mm. So your pelvic floor exercises and it, look, it is individual and this is where individual assessment is really important. If you've got an overactive pelvic floor, then we do want to down train you um, and make sure you can relax. But often you need, you, you need to do both. So you can have a weak overactive pelvic floor. Um, the muscles are weak. We need to strengthen them, but we also need to relax them. And in general, we want to relax first and then we start to strengthen um, I feel like there was two parts to that question, but I can't remember what the second part was. <laughs> Something about a second, a prolonged st- second stage. Yeah. So, some, yeah, I've been, yeah, it says I've been told conflicting things to strengthen the pelvic floor and to keep it relaxed, especially in regards to a prolonged second stage and needing forced delivery. Yeah. So um, definitely you would want to keep strengthening your pelvic floor, but you would also want it to be um be able to relax really well for subsequent births. So yes, sometimes births can be difficult if you can't relax your pelvic floor. So part of being able to successfully birth a baby is going to be able to relax the pelvic floor when you need to. And if you have a really overactive pelvic floor, then that can be difficult. So you're wanting to do both. And for somebody in that position, I would definitely recommend that they see somebody and get a pelvic floor assessment so that they can and do what they need to for their individual needs. Where do we find some good pelvic floor exercises? Like, because I know obviously we can just Google, but yep. is everything on Google going to um, serve us? <laughs> no, no, no. So, um, you know, a lot of those, a lot of those programs are they're generic. Um, they're not individualized. It's hard to find something on the internet that's going to suit your particular needs um so i don't have a good answer to that but um there are a lot of physios that run programs online so your best bet is to contact probably your local physio and see if they have anything any kind of group classes if you like if you can't afford to see someone on a one-on-one basis then the next best bet is going to see a pelvic health physio who might run classes some of them do online programs um, so those are other options if you've had a baby and been incontinent afterwards for say five years mm-hmm. is it too late to do anything about it it's never too late to do anything about it it becomes less likely that you'll get a cure. So the research says that for postnatal women who see a physio, the cure rate is around 85%, whereas for older women, the cure rate is more like around the 50% mark. Mm -hmm. So doing something about it sooner probably means you will have a better outcome, but doing something about it later doesn't necessarily mean that you won't have a great outcome as well. So um, I've treated women in their 80s who have had stress incontinence for 30 years and Mm. with some simple pelvic floor exercises and some changes to their bladder habits, they don't have incontinence anymore and they don't have to wear pads. So That's amazing. And that makes me feel so sad as well because there were things obviously that they could have been doing 30 years prior. Yeah. But, yeah, obviously you do what you do with what you know. But... Mm. So good, though. Yeah, it'd be nice if everybody knew that there was help available. Mm. And, yeah, it would be nice if it was more commonly funded 
Mm. And I think, you know, after you have a baby, I remember getting handed a whole bunch of pamphlets about, Mm. you know, postnatal depression and um, how to feed your baby. And I don't remember seeing a pamphlet. I think there probably would have been something about, you know, one in three women pee themselves after birth. So congratulations, you're, you might be one of them, Mm. (laughs) but there wasn't, I don't remember seeing anything about his, Mm. what you can do about it. Yeah. You get so much information. I think when you have a baby that it can become quite overwhelming. Mm. Um, And that's where, you know, I think we let women down is would they get one six week check and then they're sort of sent off into the world and we think, oh, we've told them everything because we gave them all of these handouts when they're in hospital. Mm. Um, but all of that stuff is overwhelming and you don't read it all. Um, so I think we need to check on women more often and yeah. give, give that information multiple times. Don't expect that by saying it once or giving it written down that they will retain it or remember Mm. that there is something that they can do about it so I think repeatedly repeatedly saying the same things is quite helpful and in pregnancy too because Mm. when you've had a new baby you know your mind is elsewhere it's probably not on all of the pamphlets we don't know where those pamphlets are you may have Mm. left them at the hospital or (laughs) thrown them in the (laughs) bin who knows yep all Um, those things yeah but yeah in pregnancy too it would be helpful to have some more information about that sort of stuff yeah yeah I think too in pregnancy we're we're culturally we're so focused on the birth and not much beyond that um where really we should we should be giving more information about women to women about what happens after this baby arrives and how can you look after your baby and yourself Mm. afterwards yeah, absolutely. And that it's okay to look after yourself as well as your mm, baby. Absolutely. absolutely. And looking after yourself is looking after your baby. I guess the only other thing I think is really important for women to understand is that a significant portion of women will have sexual dysfunction after having a baby. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's up to about 90% of women will have sexual dysfunction in the first 12 months after having a baby. And there's a whole lot of issues, you know, causes for why that happens. And, and it's often um, hormonal. So it can be increased vaginal dryness is one of the most common reasons that I see women have pain with intercourse after Mm -hmm. having a baby. And so lots of lubricant and a good lubricant is really important. Um, And there's all the other adjustment issues. So increased anxiety, mental health stuff, changes in your relationship with your partner, having, not having enough time, um, all those sorts of things impact on on sexual function after having a baby and so if you're if you're having issues and you're concerned and particularly if it's painful so if it's pain that's stopping you from having sex then I definitely recommend that women go and see a pelvic health physio to work out well what could possibly cause the pain is it is it an is it an episiotomy scar that's causing the issue is it vaginal dryness um, and and then it's often something to talk to your GP about as well too. Mm. Yeah, and I think I had this assumption that because I had a C-section that I would be yeah. fine. Yeah. Um, and that wasn't my experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah so. No, it's not. Yeah, and it's not ninety percent of vaginal births mm. will experience dysfunction. It's ninety percent, and so that that includes women who've had a Caesar. It's not. It's not 
limited to vaginal delivery. Mm. Well, it's really good to know that there is help and support out there and we just need to um, know where to get it and Mm. to ask for it. And I, yeah, I think the issue is too for so many women that it's embarrassing to talk about and Mm. you, you're having issues with sex. It's hard to talk to your GP about, it's hard to bring up with somebody. So sometimes it's easier to go and see a women's health physio because, you know, we're women, maybe your GP is a man. That's why it's hard to talk to him about it. Um, Mm. So seeing somebody else about who, and that's what we do. That's part of what we do. Sexual function is part of our work. So um, you should feel comfortable talking to us about it or at least Mm. bringing it up and um, And it's clearly like if it's 90%, like it's happening Mm. to your best Mm. friend and like your cousin and your sister. And most of the women in your mother's group are experiencing this issue, but nobody talks about it because it's about sex. Mm. Yeah, and whether it's about sex or whether it's about incontinence, like, Mm. I mean, you don't have to share something publicly on your Instagram. Or you can if you feel comfortable doing that. Yeah, absolutely. um, And the more people that are happy, like if people are happy to share that information publicly, then that's great because it means that other women who are suffering in silence know that they're not alone Mm. and that there is help available. I remember with my back being sore initially from just Mm. from I think poor posture when I was breastfeeding was like oh it's because you're a mum yeah 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 and and look yes it is because you're a mum because you've been pregnant and you've had a caesar so your core muscles aren't working the way that they should be and you've probably got really poor posture when you're breastfeeding Um, but there's actually stuff we can do about that so we can Mm. do core retraining we can teach you about good posture we can change how you feed we can do all of those sorts of things to make it better it's not something that you just have to put up with because you're a mum yeah but unfortunately I think that that sometimes you know some Mm. GPs and some medical professionals do kind of just Mm. play the you're a mum card yeah, yeah, and if that's the answer that you get from your healthcare provider, then find find another somebody one. who will listen to you and, mm. and and want to help you and support you and help you to find the help that you need. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Please come over and say hi on Instagram. That's where I like to hang out. Uh, My handle is at postpartum underscore with underscore Steph, S-T-E-P-H. That's where I'll be sharing podcast episode updates too. Hope to chat to you soon.